The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced, a show that you're either familiar with or not by now. Don't really know why I said that. That's, you know, that that's arbitrary information. Those are the two possibilities. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's, is there a way to be in between on that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, like you've heard the name, you've like gone through the KUCI website, you've seen the name of the show and like, so you're va- va- being vaguely aware. Well, exactly. Yes. And I will tell you, if you're thinking by this title uh, that our show is sort of an exploration on how COVID has affected society and our own internal well-beings and how this sort of area era of isolation uh, is affecting people, you're going to be sorely disappointed. We're mostly just dorks who talk about video games, but it is through a lens of like COVID and whatnot. And like, and you'll see again, one of these days we're gonna have to stop explaining this show at the top every time <laughs> i mean i'll say like okay fine if we're, if we're gonna talk about like do a meta commentary in the title we're gonna follow through on it because i'll say that i think there you could probably chart a transition that happens throughout the show where we go from like explicitly talking about kind of the COVID era to it just being an assumption that is built into the conversation because that is just reality like you could probably like track like the normality of social distancing like you know through the over the course of the weeks thank the lord i have uh like an academic co-hosting this show with me because i i would have been like i don't know we just say dumb stuff about games sometimes um that's that's mostly what we do it's still 90 it's still 90 percent of it um also your name is justin kiever we didn't say that i realized oh yes yes that is me hi i'm justin hello all right well there there we have it um so yeah this is the top of the show where and we talk about news that's going on in the realms of media and more and more these days uh video games specifically it's just kind of where this show has transitioned but sometimes we talk about movies and tv and stuff but today is not one of those days today we're talking about video games uh and Mm -hmm. so a lot has happened in the last two weeks uh, in the gaming sphere on a whole, there's the cyberpunk controversy or whatever you want to call it, a mi- mixed bag, which we'll get I mean, in the second th- half. There are, like, how many cyberpunk controversies have there been? I mean, good For grief. The last two and a half years or whatever it's been, yeah. Um, but the, the latest one, um, wherein... No, even in the last week, there are like three more. Oh my word. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's rough. Uh, but we'll get to that. I think that's the that's the back half. Of the show. Yes, you've been you've been playing the game. I have not I've not got my hands on it yet. So uh, you're going to have a lot more knowledge to to spew on that uh, later on. Uh, but for now, we're going to talk about the other story that's sort of been uh, making headlines in the sphere, which is uh, the fact that Nintendo uh, uh, is really okay um, with you with you dying. 
um it's <laughs> which like which like i say partly tongue-in-cheek and also partly because i mean a, a large corporations really don't care if individuals live or die so it, it, there is some truth to that um, yeah like uh <laughs> listeners you're gonna hear paxton just go off about semiconductor manufacturing <laughs> oh oh if only i knew really what that meant um <laughs> uh that's a conversation for another day i was about to ask you to explain it and i was like oh are we gonna just completely derail this discussion with uh basically just hardware manufacturing is bad and oh yeah that's all. oh oh yes okay well that, that that's a fact um ethical consumption it's not real um so basically what has happened is if you're if you're familiar with the uh hashtag free melee expression that's been going around lately um it's rooted in some pretty heinous stuff so basically uh it's sort of long been known that smash super smash brothers melee a game that came out in i want to say 2002 2001 ages ago um still has to the, oh go ahead i was gonna say gamecube era yeah, yeah, early, early GameCube. It may have even been a launch title. I'm not positive, but early on um, is the point. And uh, so it has had a very, very active community to this day, particularly in the fighting game sphere. I don't play fighting games really. They're not. They're not my bag. I I find them typically inaccessible for the most part. So melee is a game I enjoy more as a party game than anything else. That's how I enjoy Smash on a whole. But there is a very active community because apparently. The mechanics of the game uh, are far more nuanced and far more catered to a fighting scene than any of the other games in the franchise. Uh, again, not how I play it, but uh, much respect to those who do. Um, and so, yeah, the game has continued to stay active for all these years as Nintendo tries more and more to force the franchise into a sort of more lax party game, uh, party style game uh, and, and sort of... Uh, try and push their former titles into increasing states of obsolescence um and and but but smash has persevered all this time and the smash community has done it ethically much to nintendo's chagrin because they have uh they the, all their tournaments uh, as they've been doing for years uh, have been in person they've been on actual game cubes played with the actual hardware on the disc often typically on a crt um and and so they're playing the game as it is meant to be played and there's nothing nintendo can do about it uh this year uh if you're not aware has been a little crazy um and people can't see each other in person as much anymore so the smash community improvised they weren't going to cancel their november tournament um but instead or the melee the melee community more specifically they weren't going to cancel their annual november tournament that they have so they had to they had to make do and play the game with uh, with an online torrent uh, so they could play the game uh, uh, virtually with each other, um, which obviously you know you shouldn't torrent if you can avoid it. But when the game you make is only available on increasingly obsolete hardware, and the company who made it refuses to to port the game to more contemporary hardware, and you we can't see each other or we'll die. Um, it's kind of your only option at this point. Yeah, like, like you know, it's, it's a game that Nintendo is not supporting in any way. So, like, e even at this point, you know, torrenting, torrenting it has no 
like that that has no actual material impact on Nintendo's earnings. You know, if you're the kind of if you're interested in like you know defending the earnings of a big company, which you know, meh. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, like they're really um, there there's no loss in using this torrent to uh, in the context of you know holding this event online. You know, like they're it doesn't harm Nintendo in any meaningful way. Exactly. Nintendo makes no money off of Melee anymore. And they could if they just ported it to Switch or if they ported half their titles. I don't know why Nintendo is so averse to porting, but that's another day entirely. Uh, another conversation entirely. But uh, uh, so basically, with uh, circumstances being what they were, as I said, the community improvised and uh, Nintendo was none too happy about it. So uh, basically, Nintendo's Nintendo tamped down on the uh on the tournament and uh uh, basically uh issued a cease and desist um for obviously threat of legal action uh so the community so the tournament had to be canceled by order of nintendo uh which ended up sort of creating a a massive controversy getting the hashtag free melee uh uh trending um and and uh, yeah, so there has been sort of a a large backlash in terms of you know again if you're not going to make this game available to people uh, and you're only willing to to look the other way you're only willing to begrudgingly allow people to play the game physically because there's obviously literally nothing legally dubious about it um, you know people are going to find a way to play it when circumstances prevent them from doing such. Uh, and so it, it, it really is just an act of, because again, there is no monetary gain um, or loss in allowing people to torrent it, as you said. So it is purely an act of spite uh, and nothing more. Well, okay. So, he, so here's the thing. And I, um, I didn't want to get into this immediately, but when you said, um, oh God, what did you say? When, when you said that like their their uh hesitancy to port things uh was a conversation for another day i actually kind of disagree because i think this is that conversation well then let's hop into it um okay so the reason that nintendo would you know basically drop the hammer on this tournament is you know more or less because when you're defending uh when you're defending a property like this, like even a property, like especially rather a property that is not currently being resold in any way, you're not, you know, um, if you basically like this is what you're not, sorry, you're not controlling a product. You're controlling the future possibility of distributing the product. So the reason that they're doing this is they're defending their ownership of Melee as a potential way to get money via you know reselling it or whatever down the line so there's essentially a kind of an anticipatory action here where you know like this is not like it's not that nintendo is dropping the hammer with the cease and desist because they plan on reselling melee in some capacity down the line it is that the sort of the mandate of companies like this is to treat every potential asset as a potential asset and essentially defend their right to sell this thing and to control it in basically every capacity uh, down, you know, for some kind of potential future benefit. So yeah, like that's the, that's the rationale here. And it's essentially, it's a structure of corporate control that ensures that even this thing that like, you know, like they're not 
going to resell. Like they are, you know, it seems like, like per our last conversation about Smash and the way that Smash has become this kind of, you know, grand, like almost Fortnite-esque kind of uh, brand synergy project. It seems like they are trying to, yeah, like you said, make, as you said, make Smash a little more casual and also to basically treat it in a kind of like media ecosystem kind of way, if that makes sense. And so there, yeah, I don't know. So like that seems to be their intent with what Smash is. And what that kind of means is that, you know, like they need to have complete control of the Smash brand, or at least they feel as though they need to have complete control of it in order to have basically complete distributive control over what will be like, you know, the Smash ecosystem for the next few years. So it's not just spite. It's, uh, it's a very particular kind of like, uh, capitalist reasoning that I think is really bound up in issues of uh, ownership and distribution that, none, that, that I'm not making excuses for because I think it's just as heinous and we'll get to the kind of like the uh, what this leads to in terms of you know like how people need to meet to have these kinds of competitions anymore at all uh, which you know as I think you'll talk about leads to it's, you know, it's potentially quite harmful given present circumstances. Um, but yeah, no, I think there is a logic to it. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge and be critical of that logic. Well, no, that's interesting. And I think you're, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, yeah, I think you're completely right. And I don't think I had uh, fully, um, fully wrapped my head around that concept because there is absolutely no chance of them reselling Melee. It's yeah. never getting ported. And there is a, it's been such an interesting thing for years now. Again, as someone that barely plays Smash, as someone who doesn't really care that much, it's been an interesting thing to spectate because Melee has consistently acted as like a huge thorn in the side of Nintendo because every other game has had those casual party mechanics in them. And Ultimate has made uh, Brawl and S Smash Wii U, whatever you're supposed to call it, and uh, <laughs> and the original Smash. It has made them more or less irrelevant. Um, it has made them obsolete. Melee is so much like a beast of its own. Uh, again, this is all heard through the grapevine and gathered from my friends who actually do care deeply about it. Um, that like th that it is, it is the only other alternative uh in the smash franchise to something like ultimate that is a lot more hardcore and apparently I, I don't know the full details on this but apparently it was somewhat by accident like melee was intended to be a a party game just like the others but people found out there was sort of a way to basically game the mechanics that nintendo was almost unaware of uh in order to make it play more as a as a um standalone like a traditional fighting game it seems kind of like a sort of like street fighter combo type thing where like people kind of like, you know, push at the boundaries of what the mechanics can do and basically create a meta around that. And, and also just like in terms of like being like a thorn in the side of Nintendo, I think that's really, I'm okay. I should say I'm an outsider to the melee community. I'm terrible at smash melee. You uh, and me both. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy playing it. I'm bad at it. But it's really interesting, like going to, I would occasionally go to like esports events and it's super, super interesting to go to like esports uh, 
places, esports arenas, which of which there are very few. But like like going to like the esports arena at you know at UCI and seeing these like lines of like you know Alienware computers and getting this and like seeing like the um, these like ideologies of like technological you know linear technological improvement kind of embodied in like what esports seems to be and then also just like you know in the corner seeing a bunch of CRTs and people <laughs> with game cubes and it feels so. It feels very weird, even though like in terms of the, the community, it makes sense because like they play on CRTs because CRTs have less input lag. Like there is a kind of an immediacy that is really vital to that community, like to these communities that like count frames that are like, you know, interested in like, you know, frame perfect play. Um, like uh, it's interesting to see that because like the way that ends up getting expressed in like PC, uh, you know, kind of esports communities as far as i can tell is through like ever you know playing at like the highest possible frame rate so you're getting you know like less uh less lag when you're you know controlling something because the basically the computer is like what you're doing is corresponding in more minute kind of uh uh you know milliseconds to what you're doing and it's a different thing in melee but it's you know it's a totally different kind of like arrangement of technology that is achieving a very similar end and melee is cool because it like it needs to engage with this older tech it is in a way in a weird way kind of like you know resistant to or actively resisting these like you know these models of like technological obsolescence because it needs crts it needs gamecubes or you know or it needs like you know modded versions of the gamecube or whatever to to function and so yeah there is something that in like the melee community in like the continued existence of this community is actively resisting sort of like the progression of uh, technology of technology and so is resisting like is resisting the corporate kind of control of that progression mm -hmm. and that's really fascinating to me and like that kind of like that, that the way that like it, that puts that community in tension with nintendo no matter what is just uh i don't know it, it's an interesting relation i guess yeah so cir circling back to what you were saying earlier it is uh, really interesting because uh, uh, in the respect that we're saying, um, you know, obviously uh, uh, Nintendo has fiscal interest in protecting this IP and trying to and trying to um, make it irrelevant because again, there is potentially down the road um, room to gain off of off of uh, redistributing it, but they never will. And that's yeah. what I, that is one of the things where it's like, and maybe I, I can't even begin to fathom because I don't have this kind of mindset, but maybe you can uh, clarify what is the point of, uh, is it purely just spite for this community? What is the point of tamping down on it when there is so much gain to be had from porting it? People would play it, people would buy it. It would probably breathe a whole new life into the community, I would assume. So what is their motivation in refusing to port? I mean, I'm going to imagine there is some calculus regarding like limited resources, uh, like limited, you know, dev time and kind of labor power, uh, especially given um, like, you know, people like Melee. Melee is kind of you know, a thing onto itself. And some of that is just bound up in, you know, like the particulars of like the technology and the way it's played, right? So 
you know, like if they were to like if they were to release, uh, you know, the, this game on the Switch or something, there would still be like you know kind of a fundamental change in the way people are playing it that actually makes it so like that would not be that would not be viable for the uh, the current community that plays that game competitively. Um, because I think there's a pretty uh, sizable um, fraction that would make the switch or even at the very least just purchase it to get their hands on it. I think they would, I think they would probably purchase it to get their hands on it. I don't think it would, I, I it wouldn't be integrated into the uh, competitive community. I don't think, I think you'd probably see, you know, if it was, you'd see some kind of like fracture there. It would probably end up like, introducing uh, uh like maybe getting new people into that particular version of the game but it would still be just like qualitatively different in terms of like the in terms of the level of precision with which you could play that game but even then like if nintendo has such a, a an open um uh uh like contempt for this for this community um wouldn't that also be in their best interest to uh make a monetary gain while also fracturing it while also diminishing it i mean well and and this is the um this will sound disparaging but i 100 do not mean it that way how big is this community really and that's kind of the thing is like it, you know it, it's like it's healthy and it is persisted and that that is not me like i'm not trying to look down on that community as, as i've said i think you know it like I think it is actually doing some very cool things in terms of the way it's, you know, keeping certain bits of tech relevant. But I think there's a certain, what I'm saying is it probably does not make business sense. Uh, you know, again, I don't know. I don't know the numbers. Maybe it does. And they're just not doing it because they're just like, no. Um, I don't know why that's what executives sound like. Um I should have I should have tried to do my best uh, cyberpunk 20, 2077 uh, masculine voice there. I picked the corpo background and anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um it probably it's just like, you know, it's just not worth it. Like I don't really like I don't know the history. I don't know if like, you know, like Reggie Fisame like said anything like really disparaging about the community like if he did then I don't know I also know that Reggie's no longer with Nintendo so that doesn't matter but whatever that's the one I could think of um I'm sure Doug Bowser has some hard takes on the Smash community (laughs) um yeah I don't know I, I just think like it probably just doesn't I don't think Nintendo is just that interested in terms of like what they're doing as a company. I don't think they're that interested in capturing that community. And I think they are more interested in building their kind of casual community and like trying to rope in as many people as possible into whatever new thing they're making through this kind of like brand synergy. But it it also, it also speaks to another question, which is sort of outside the realm of melee, but just the same, very confusing. Um, Nintendo doesn't make a lot of games. When they make them, they're excellent, typically, but they don't make them very often. And so when you have such a like such long barren stretches of nothing in your library or things that are, you know, cool but a little bit, you know, they don't they don't make the ripples that they maybe hope for. Something like uh Arms for instance. You know, people like it, but I don't think it was a smash hit like Breath of the Wild um so like in that meantime 
why not continue to port? And obviously, you know, they did with the Mario 3D stupid Disney Vault collection. Like, you know, they're, they're like, they're doing it a little bit, but you've got this massive NES, SNES, N64, GameCube, Wii library. I neglected to say Wii U, but you have these (laughs) massive libraries that, uh, that, you know, people are surely itching to play again uh, on a more uh, high res, easily accessible platform. Can you imagine the smash hit that, you know, Ocarina of Time or Metroid Prime would be if you could play it on the go? I mean, my word that that seems that seems like a slam dunk. What is their refusal to not do that? Like, wh- what is the point? I, I don't know. And I mean, th- this is a thing that I've had on my mind, like in terms of like the whole game industry for years and years and years, like what is like, what is up with the game industry and uh, just preservation? Um, which I mean, generally it's just that, you know, preservation doesn't, doesn't sell. Um because I mean, you know, I like if you told me that like Wind Waker was out on Switch, I never got to play Wind Waker when it originally came out. I've wanted to play it for a while. I'm not going to get a Wii U just for that. But like I would run out and get a Switch now. But like I'm not everyone. And, you know, I, I think. But also, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like nostalgia sells, as we've clearly seen in the last five years, 10 years, whatever you want to say. Um yeah, no, it does. And I mean, I think, and I, I guess I, I don't know. Like, that's sort of the thing is like, yeah, Nintendo has a very particular relationship to its own past. And that, yeah, in a way is kind of reminiscent of Disney's kind of like, yeah, like it's the, the Disney vault kind of release logic that frankly, I mean, I think Disney's kind of turning away from with uh, Disney plus at least a little bit. But um, yeah, um, I just I just do not know. I think um, I mean I think the thing is like like uh, Microsoft like they they've been doing their kind of uh, Xbox backwards compatibility thing you know like a sliver like a tiny sliver of like the 360 and like original Xbox uh, catalog is playable on the one and the then the Series X or whatever. And from what. I don't know the sales numbers. I hear they're not great. That is like, but of course, you know, for me, that is like the main reason I own an Xbox one is to like play older games on it and to like be assured that like this piece of hardware will hopefully stay alive for a little while longer than my 360 will. And I'll get to keep playing these things. Um, But yeah, it's just the, the game industry as a whole has, a uh, ambivalent at best relationship to its own preservation. And I think that when we see, um, and we're seeing a lot of like remakes and stuff, but we're not really seeing much effort in terms of actually preserving games in a way that like uh, holds to the original vision, let's say, or, you know, is interested in kind of like the historical value of that. And I think ultimately it's because that is not the sort of like, you know, that does not bring in the blockbuster sales numbers that it seems like the game industry is like constantly expecting. Yeah. I mean, I I guess so. It's too bad because even like uh, we got to get going in a second here, but um, you know, even like two generations ago, you think about um, what is it? The, the Wii shop, the Wii marketplace. It was, it was incredible. You had uh, like 
basically every hit N64 game, you had the like in practically like the entire SNES and NES catalog of everything that mattered anyway, not all the shovel shovelware. Um a hefty number of GameCube games too. Uh plus uh plus a lot of you know just yeah small scale digital releases too. Uh and that was the best part of the Wii, in my opinion, other than Mario Galaxy. Like it was the like main reason I ever turned the Wii on was to play it's uh it's n64 and snes catalog um and like that was how i played super metroid for the first time and it was a trend early on it was not unheard of the 360 was backwards compatible with most of the original xbox lineup and the fact that it's been that the industry has turned its back on it in the last 10 years it's a very strange trend obviously we can't see their internals necessarily so you know there's a lot we don't know um but it's it's frustrating and it's it's um, concerning as, uh, as the trend of as, as you say um, preservation goes. But you know we've we've barely scratched the surface on this issue. We didn't even get to the fact that Ninten- that uh, very briefly the um, Splatoon two community also spoke out in defense of the melee community the official splatoon 2 community that nintendo does oversee um spoke out uh as it being unjust and unfair uh and nintendo canceled their tournament as well uh it's it's now weird. that's just spite that one is that purely is spite. spite. There's nothing. There's nothing there besides besides just pure uh, rage fueled um uh bitterness but uh weird company weird industry it is what it is we'll be back in a minute You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I'm your host, Justin Kiever, and with me is Paxton Wright. Hello. How's it going? Hi. How are you, Paxton? Oh, I've been great in the last, uh, you know, what, two minutes since we last spoke. Uh, Lots changed. I uh, I settled down. I moved to Tucson. I've got a kid now. Um, You know, things are good. It's been a lot of shaking and moving. Man, that's a that's pretty that's pretty wild. I just yeah. saw that the game awards were happening on Twitter. That's all I've done. <laughs> oh, that's really sad to find out the game awards are happening as they're happening, um, <laughs> which really is uh, just um, the perfect the perfect uh, encapsulation of what the game awards are. I say, is it just sad because you just remembered that the game awards existed and you're like oh i didn't want that to happen <laughs> yeah more or less i remember watching the first game awards when they initially aired hosted by samuel l jackson and narrated by stewie griffin for some reason and what a <laughs> what a, a a pile of hot garbage that was i remember i was like 11 or 12 when it came out too i was the target demo and i remember oh. even then i i'll never forget like half the nominations went to um, the Sopranos game and the Godfather game. And I was like, this can't be right. This, there's something fishy here. I don't think I'll be watching this again next year. And Wait, I didn't. Um, 
<laughs> Wait, is this was this the the Spike Game Awards you're talking about? Spike TV or... is it not? Um... No, it's um no, it's like the uh it's the new respectable like just the Game Awards that are hosted by Jeff Keighley and See, you know. He... I thought those. I thought it just left Spike TV when Spike TV died, but it's still the same Game Awards technically. They've. I mean, it might be, but like they've done enough of kind of like an aesthetic rebranding that it's um. There, there's still some there's some pretension of it being like the game Oscars, but here's the thing. It's just a show where trailers happen and some awards are given to games that are just okay that everyone's heard of. Yeah. That's yeah. that's more or less what I've gathered. So really not much is different except the uh the fanfare isn't like electric guitar and they're not talking about how cool boobs are every two minutes. Uh exactly. Um, yes. Yeah okay great uh well that's good to know uh anyway this is our segment (laughs) yeah anyway uh, this is our segment feast in the weast where we talk about the media that we've been feasting on if you listen to the first half you probably you know heard that we foreshadowed quite heavily by outly just saying (laughs) we're gonna talk about (laughs) yeah that uh we're just gonna talk about cyberpunk 2077 which i have been playing which i have been um uh feasting on I guess. Um, <laughs> and I, I should clarify, I have not been playing. I will be playing eventually, probably, but uh, have not yet gotten my hands on it. But I I, I hear a lot about this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, you, you say uh, you'll be playing it, Paxton. Uh, can I ask what you plan on playing it on? Because that's one thing we can talk about before getting into some of the more serious stuff. You know, that's a very good question. Um, and I actually don't have an answer because I'll probably i'm on the i'm on the ps4 right now oh then you shouldn't play this game yeah oh that's what i hear and i know and that's why like i'll probably wait till i go to next gen which will probably be another year ish um and i'll probably go to the series x when i hit next gen i'm thinking Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure yet again it's a decision to make in like another year so it's I, i it's gonna be a while till i get around to cyberpunk in all likelihood um but yeah i'm hearing a lot of um uh complicated opinions on cyberpunk right now i've heard it is a lot of a lot of what i've gathered is that it is a very delicious sticky ooey gooey honey bun that needed another hour in the oven despite having seven hours in the oven prior (laughs) yeah um Okay, so before we get into like the fun conversation, I want to go ahead and like mention up front some pretty grotesque things about this game. Uh, not even just the labor practices, you know, which is just, you know, crunch is bad. People should work less hours because working crunch hours in game development is physically and like psychologically harmful. It's a conversation uh, we've had multiple times on the show and are in yep. all likelihood going to have again. Uh, absolutely. Um, the game has been, uh, generally people have found that a lot of the imagery in the game is, uh, uh, quite transphobic, uh, in terms of how it kind of like represents, uh, people, uh, uh, transgender people. Um, I'll say, you know, I, uh, I defer to, uh, transgender people on that, you know, uh, like that's, yeah, I think that is when they're like, yes, like I've, like, I'll put it this way. I've seen absolutely nothing that contradicts that 
Uh, I think that like this is not a this is not a progressive game. That is something that I'll talk about uh, kind of structurally later. And I'll say that I think like I I will say that was a huge part of its marketing and a huge part of like the blowback from like the obnoxious kind of you know right wing community on Twitter was that they thought this game was like trying too hard to be quote unquote woke. Um, And it was simply because you don't you don't you know get assigned a gender for your you don't you don't assign a gender to your character off the top yeah like it's like really quite sad that like the bar for being progressive for like certain video game playing folks is acknowledging the existence of trans people right Mm -hmm. um like like the like the thing that um people have already called out you know so i'm not the first to do this um but i think that like really like uh did kind of rub me wrong when i right when i started the game is that uh when you're customizing your character, you have a choice between a, a masculine voice and a feminine voice. And, you know, they do, uh, you know, they do not like tie this to like, you know, he, like he, him, she, her pronouns and like a really kind of like, or, they, or that's the thing though. They do, they don't tie to it in the kind of like, you know, biologically essentialist kind of way, but they do say masculine and feminine versus male versus female, which is sounds cool at first, but basically they tie the, um, if you choose the feminine voice, people use she, her pronouns. If you choose the masculine voice, they, people refer to you with he, him, which, you know, like as much as, you know, people who, if you're not, you know, like if you're in a kind of, if you are cis, that might sound intuitive, but in fact does not actually cover like the trans experience with, you know, like with one's own voice that just simply is not, that is not good representation, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so that's, that was, that has been like the outside of like the really kind of like gaudy and like dumb edgy advertising, which I've been able to kind of like compartmentalize in my head is like, this game is trying to be GTA. Um, like that's been like, that has been the thing that really has kind of bothered me because it feels like because it feels like this sort of like outreach effort that just still completely misses the point and simply is you know it feels like something that it feels like something that was implemented by cis people you know Mm -hmm. um anyway so there's that the other thing and i think this is worse uh is that uh this game um could give you a seizure and not in the way that any game could give you a seizure there is a thing where uh you'll encounter where you know your character gets a headset put on them and you basically go into a kind of like a virtual uh reality kind of space and the way that they communicate like the way this happens is you know conceptually admittedly kind of cool but actively harmful is that they literally flash white and red into your eyes like you know blink it in a way in a, in a way that is apparently like incredibly close to the way that doctors try to intentionally like create a seizure like it is so like if you have epilepsy this game will give you a seizure that and there's happened. no there's no warning up front at least not okay. currently so here's the thing they um there wasn't a warning there they added a warning uh so and this is a kind of like a fun technological wrinkle they recommend you run this game off of an ssd right um because you know that's just like games run better off of ssds i currently have mine installed to an uh, an nvm uh ssd and the the warning is there kind of tied to the opening like loading stuff so if you have the game installed on an ssd that warning pops up and it's there for like half a second 
So like it's there, oh. but it's basically completely unreadable. Like if you didn't encounter this in, uh, you know, like in games media and you're epileptic, uh, or rather, I'm sorry, if, if you have epilepsy, like you're, you're going to encounter this. You're not going to know what's coming. And like the game will probably cause a seizure. See, like, that's, this is, that's insane because I, I just will yeah. say like, that was, uh, uh, I am tied into games media. I don't have epilepsy, thankfully, and I haven't uh, gotten my hands on cyberpunk yet. But as someone who is tied in and haven't heard this yet, like it, you know, it could have happened to me um, were circumstances different. And it's like, and it's interesting too, because it got so much coverage when uh, the Incredibles a couple of years ago had the same situation happen where they had a scene that triggered epilepsy and um, it triggered seizures and a lot of epileptic uh, uh, people who went to go see it. And so they had to, they had to change the scene pretty quickly. Um, but that got a ton of coverage and I've heard very little about it uh, on, in terms of cyberpunk. I'm sure there is coverage that I have missed, but the fact that, uh, the fact that it doesn't appear to be as prevalent and um, is uh, uh, not being handled remotely well by the developer, uh, even still hasn't been patched day one, is is asinine. Yeah, like it. Um, given the way this game works, I would imagine that like changing that would be like would require a certain amount of labor that would probably take a couple days to you know change. Um, that's still bad enough where like, you know, to be frank that, that you should not and, like, how does, I mean, the main thing is like, how does that happen? How does a game like get released where that is a thing that can occur? Right. Because you would figure that like, you know, people beyond like CD project who, you know, we've, has been demonstrated, like are not really willing to listen to, you know, concerned voices in the community. Like, like this is a game that needs to be certified by like Microsoft and Sony to be sold on their platform. And like that has been, you know, and like it got past that. So I guess those like certification processes are not that uh, thorough. I mean, again, um, but it, that, that does happen. I mean, again, the Incredibles most recently yeah. and most notably, but um, you know, I mean, even goes back to that really notorious Pokemon episode. And like, I mean, these things do happen on occasion. These things get, I mean, imagine how many people had to okay the Incredibles 2 before that went to theaters and not yeah. one catching it. I mean, these things do happen, but it is, it is shocking that they can. Yeah. Anyway, I, I wanted to kind of talk about that up front so we don't like just mention it right at the end um, and, and kind of, you know, cover it over. Anyway, so all these things aside, uh, yeah. Um, this game is a mess. I uh, I don't think it being a mess is like the whole story that's kind of like worth talking about with it in terms of like the immediate experience of playing it. But man, it's a mess. Yeah. So you know, as uh, people have shown, the PS4 version is basically unplayable. Uh, runs uh, sub 30 frames a second. Uh, it takes textures a good like you know few seconds to load in and what you're looking at before that is not like you know basically looks like a ps1 game like it is nigh unplayable um so yeah like it, so basically in order to play this thing at this point because it's not actually out on the new consoles yet and also the odds are you don't own a new console because those got snapped up by scalpers really quickly um you and need to have five hundred dollars 
Yeah, that, that too. They're also just expensive. Mm -hmm. um, it turns out the best way to play this game is to own an even more expensive gaming PC. <laughs> um, as it turns out, I own an even more expensive gaming PC. So, um, which, because yeah, I did a lot of work over the summer and then very unwisely blew the money I didn't use on rent and food on a gaming PC. That that's, I typically, that's typically how gaming PCs get bought. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, yeah, so I can, it runs, so the game runs pretty well on my computer. Uh, you know, I'm running, a, I'm running an NVIDIA RTX 2070 Super and a, a Ryzen 3700X. Like these are, you know, not the top of the line, but they're pretty good. Um, and the, yeah, like it, it runs pretty well. Uh, the main thing is like, it kind of seems like the way it runs is really inconsistent for a lot of people. Uh, the game doesn't scale very well, so it doesn't run that much better on like low settings than it does on like ultra. So yeah, like that's just a kind of like a technical oddity. And then anyway, and then, yeah, it's just a, uh, then yeah, it's just kind of a buggy mess. Like my experience has been, I mean, it crashed on me once when I tried to reload a save which was a bit alarming. Um, well, a bit alarming because I had an SSD that just died on me the other day. So I was just like, oh, did this SSD die too? Um, oh yeah, uh, it did not, thankfully. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I think, so what, the, the worst moment that I had in terms of like bugginess, in terms of like bugginess getting in the way of like the uh, effectiveness of like the drama of this was like really basically in like the first mission in the game like the introductory mission i finished it like you're um in the background that i picked which was well street kid actually so i started the game at with the masculine voice starting in a corporate background i hated the masculine voice so much that i restarted the game as a uh, using the feminine voice is it just a bad voice acting or it just didn't it's, really it's just it's so gruff like it's it's got like this gruff affectation that like i couldn't deal with so I just like went back and like uh, switched to the uh, switched to the feminine voice and mm. uh, you know like using the using the game's terminology the feminine voice and found that more uh, a lot more tolerable uh, like the in the in the acting is uh, pretty good um, from from that uh, from that voice uh, actress so anyway yeah uh, picked the street kid thing you do this mission where you're kind of like working your way through this busted up apartment it's like you know like basically kind of like back alley surgeon type thing you know like organ harvesting you're finding this one person you find this person you know like naked in a bathtub like you're you know they're barely they're clinging to life right you've been hired to save this person you you know, take them out of their apartment uh, you call in the the future paramedics and then it's this really ends up being this really tense standoff because the like the world building you get here is that you know like things are so violent that the paramedics are like an armed force basically like they come out and like they you know they point guns at you say put the body on the ground and like you're you know you're it's kind of a frightening scene where like you know the 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 healers of this world have shown up and are basically like holding you at gunpoint and making sure that you are not going to attack them them as they take this person away you know like this person who is like clinging to life and i'm just kind of like okay yeah this is this is you know like gross and i am kind of disturbed by this world that seems to be the intent anyway i turn around and my buddy my like ai buddy who's uh you know been with me on this mission just immediately walks straight through a like a, a human-sized locker 
that is like next to the wall just ghosts right through it but there's like physics objects inside of this locker so like papers and, and like junk just start flying out of this locker wildly <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just like oh man and then so I go from this, like, anyway, I just go immediately from this like incredibly tense standoff to just like watching this guy just accidentally like trash this, uh, um, trash this apartment as he <laughs> just like, you know, magically like ghosts his way through all of the objects in it. And then I follow him and he like, you know, ghosts right through the elevator doors. And I'm just like, oh, man. the fact that the, that the bug just persists. That's yeah, exactly. He That's was just, the best. He, like he just phased through every object and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, this is, uh, you would think they would have like the big grand cinematic opening down at least. Uh, and uh, no, they don't. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, it, it's it's kind of a mess. It, uh, I'll say I have not had the like really bad bugs that uh, people have had, but like it, you know, it doesn't run great. It runs well enough. And yeah, like it just, uh, but anyway, uh, so beyond that though, I do want to actually talk about what this game is because I avoided a lot of the marketing material. So I went in kind of like suspecting like, okay, this seems like they're making cyberpunk GTA. That's what I've, and that's what I've got. We had a conversation about this a few weeks ago too, is you and I have both yep. kind of been avoiding the marketing. So I, I'm also quite blind on, on uh, a lot of it. Okay. So here's what it is. It's a Fallout 4 GTA hybrid. Oh, that doesn't much. sound very good. It actually, I think it's more interesting than it sounds. Um, huh. Okay, but but here's the thing. This is the thing about Cyberpunk 2077. I think the story so far... Okay, I'll put it this way. I'm a huge fan of The Witcher 3. Uh, you know, I don't like The Witcher 3 for the reason that a lot of people like The Witcher 3. I'll get into this a little more in a minute. But um, I love that game. Uh, Cyberpunk is not doing what that game does at all. Uh, so... Like it feels in terms of its plotting, it feels a lot more linear, like a kind of a GTA, really. Um, like it cares a lot more about it's like the the main thrust of its plot than uh, than The Witcher did, even though The Witcher had like a good kind of like main narrative arc. Are there anyway? I mean, is it pretty rich in terms of like side quests or and uh, things to do outside the main narrative or not really? I have heard that it's not. I am not far enough in the game to say for sure, but I'll say the side stuff that I did in the opening act, uh, which I finished last night, um, I uh, it wasn't interesting. Um, like everything that was cool about the game was in its main quest line. Um, but that said, I have kind of like hit the second act, which seems to be where the game like really opens up. So maybe it'll get better. Um, but anyway. So the thing that this game does that is very cool that I think I will care about more than most people is it does a thing that Fallout 4 did really well, but Fallout 4 hid behind its uh, default conversation system. Uh, so Paxton, you, from your reaction, I figure you played Fallout 4. Uh, I, pl I, you know, I started Fallout 4 and uh, it bounced off me pretty quickly. I maybe logged two hours into it i i barely okay. got past the introduction okay where um the town gets destroyed uh, i i played i played new vegas and three both after playing four and i was like oh this is a, these are both much superior experiences yeah uh, oh okay oh yeah that's a that's a yeah you really went from kind of like the low end to the high end there um yeah. so Okay, so you know how in like Fallout 3 New Vegas, you talk to someone and you get the like the sort of like the zoom in and like time freezes except for the conversation. Right. 
Okay, and in Fallout 4, um, I figure it you probably kept the default setting, which is you talk to someone and then you get the kind of like shot reverse shot, like Mass Effect style. Yeah, which I do. I mean, typically I prefer. I actually one reason one of the reasons that Bethesda's games tend to bounce off of me is I don't that effect is really jarring to me. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so here's the thing about Fallout 4 for me. Uh, Fallout 4, I hate the I, I really hated the shot reverse shot thing but you can turn that off. And when you turn that off, it doesn't do like, it doesn't like zoom you in and like freeze time. What it does is something that's actually really, really fascinating where you stay in your first person perspective and and like the world and like, you know, everything is still moving around you and you can still move around, but as long as you're like facing the other character, you can like hit, you know, like you can converse with them. So, uh, so like time is moving and it's like, it is more like you are like actively like, you know, the conversation doesn't feel modal. It's a, it feels like an extension of what you do throughout the rest of the game. Huh. And it gives, and it gave Fallout 4, if you opt for its non-default conversation option, it gives you this wonderful sense of presence because it feels like you've actually walked up to someone and just started talking with them as part of like one kind of like fluid behavior. Anyway, um, so Cyberpunk 2077 does that. Like that is just the way you like interact with people in this game is you like, you know, you walk up, you hit a button to like sit down or something like sit down at a bar or something. And you kind of like look around and you like talk to people actively and there's like a world happening around you. And the thing that's very cool that it does is that it will actually have people basically do things like physically do things in scenes as you're talking to them so like in fallout 4 you know you're talking to a bunch of people who are like standing there like they're not doing anything interesting in cyberpunk like they are actually you know like you'll talk to a bartender and like you know he'll be pouring you a drink or something or you'll be talking having some like conversation where you're like scheming about this heist you're gonna do and you know like this person will be like actually actually physically acting as you're in this scene and it like really does give you this really amazing sense of presence. That's really like, nice. Uh, so, uh, I mean, yeah, because that is like I said, yeah, like even fallout new Vegas, I bounced off of after a while. And it is so largely because that, um, that, that Bethesda engine, um, it's the reason I couldn't get into Skyrim. It's the reason I couldn't get into oblivion. It's a huge part of it. It feels so cold and it like, it's very, um, it very much detaches me from these very impressive and lived in worlds they try to create that sort of like rigidness. Like it just, I, I can't, I can't immerse myself in it. It's just so, so jarring and I never got used to it. Um, and so that's an interesting, interesting alternative to, to that, to like, to still keep that same style of the sort of first person, uh, uh, conversation where and things around you kind of slow down and you are focused on this person, but there is still movement. There's still momentum. There's still well, things activity. like things don't even slow down. Like the world just keeps happening, and like that, and like it. There, there really is, and I know I already said this, but it's just like there is just such a wonderful sense of presence that that gives you that like really fallout four is the and maybe there are like other games that have done this like maybe like maybe the deus ex games like the like the the last one that uh uh that tried for like the really um that tried to sort of like compare the like it's like fake like augmented lives matter movement to the black lives matter movement and which is oh that was a play mess. that game that was yeah. a mess <laughs> yeah maybe it did that or something um 
I think maybe Prey tried. No, no, no. I don't think Prey give you. I don't remember. Like, Outer, there are Worlds, games that have... Outer Worlds did a semi-successful attempt at it. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say that just like I'm struck by. I never played Outer Worlds. Um, but yeah, I I am struck by how well it's able to kind of like direct these like first-person scenes and how like embodied I feel in them like that has been the thing that is really impressive about this game which otherwise is like you know a reasonably okay uh just sort of crime story that takes place in the cyber future uh and yeah like you know in terms of like gameplay it plays like Fallout 4 to be honest like it plays like you know sort of like a a muddy shooter with a pretty like with like a kind of like Deus Ex-ish stealth mechanic um i don't like the stealth uh, the shooting is okay uh yeah but i'm really uh the world i will say you know to its credit um it doesn't feel distinct but it feels um the design of the city is messy in a way that feels true to urban spaces that i have walked through like there's a kind of like there's a sort of visual a very aggressive visual noise that I actually, that for me is like really um, reminiscent of like what I experience when I'm in like an actual kind of like really busy urban space. Um, and I like that. And like, that's the thing is I think there's a really nice sense of presence in this game that will probably sustain me through its whole, you know, thing. But yeah, you know, like Cyberpunk 2077, it came out and it's kind of a messy video game that does one thing kind of well and a lot of other things uh, not so well. See, it's unfortunate to hear you say that uh, for for me solely in the respect that like by the time I play it, the game probably will be patched up and, and you know, uh, quite functional. Um, but it still sounds like the the problem I had with so much of its marketing is I was never able to determine to determine like, is this for me? I don't, I, I feel like I could like this. I also feel like I could really bounce off of this hard. And I was like, well, I'll have the answer once it comes out. And I still am nowhere yeah. close to an answer on that. Um, but uh, man, it, it, you know, I'll still probably try it out one of these days, but it, it's gonna, it's gonna be a minute. Um, regardless i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it going forward uh i hope we will revisit it at some point i will say just real real briefly in terms of like things we discussed a while back that i said we'd return to um i finished fargo season four Eh, eh, it's the weakest season i you you can miss it anyway that's that's the long and short of that i'm i'm putting a bow on that old conversation Uh, this week's feast in the weast paxton (laughs) and justin say (laughs) yeah more oh i mean to be fair that's like 60 percent of this show uh (laughs) sometimes we like things though it's uh you know Uh. maybe that'll be next week who knows uh anyhow uh you know the usual stay safe stay healthy everybody Yep. Bye, everybody. Take care.